well, you know, when you're thinking about your hormones, whether things are moving faster or slower than we'd like them to, generally it's going to be related to the same factors. So it's going to be stress, blood sugar, um, uh, inflammation, mm-hmm. and you know, possibly genetics. It, it's the same things that are driving it. So if you're trying to support your menopause, um, especially in the earlier days in perimenopause, it's better to look more holistically at, mm-hmm. at the body as a whole. Welcome to Your Body's Way, a podcast for all of you health-conscious humans out there who want to nourish, move, and take care of your body your way. Not the diet book's way or even my way. Your journey to find your body's way through all of the noise and nonsense starts right here, where I'll be presenting and breaking down all of the current popular health practices so you can make intelligent choices that work for you and you alone. You know what they say, if the shoe fits. So I encourage you to take on what sounds tempting and to reject what doesn't. So let's dive into your journey to becoming the person you know you can be. Hey there, you're listening to Your Body's Way. I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to this episode. You won't be disappointed. I am talking to Charlotte Hunter today. She is a nutritional therapist who specializes in supporting women through their menopause journey. So today's conversation was really great because we went over how important it is to be aware of preparing your body for perimenopause and menopause and just the key areas that you need to be looking out for. So for example, your stress levels and your blood sugar levels are two really key areas that Charlotte says you need to look out for. And from there, it it's sort of a trickle down effect. Um, the the health benefits, if you look after those two things, the health benefits can kind of um, trickle down from there. So it was such a great conversation and Charlotte is so Uh, she's so relaxed she's so chill and she has a really great aura about her and she's so knowledgeable about the subject so I'm looking forward to you listening to this episode it's a really really good one especially if you're in your 30s 40s 50s they're really key areas that this episode talks about so without further ado here is Charlotte um, well, welcome to Your Body's Way. I am so happy to introduce everyone. Oh my gosh, I'm just so happy to introduce everyone to Charlotte Hunter. Um, we've just been having such a nice chat and it's been really nice <laughs> getting to know you in literally the last 10 minutes. It's been so yeah, nice. Go, go remember to remember to press the, press the record button. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let me just double check, actually. I like, oh, haven't, haven't pressed record. <laughs> yeah, actually, I'm just double checking that now. Or like, oh, yeah, just you, to have, make you sure. have to worry. Have I? Don't okay, worry. perfect. Yeah, perfect. that's usually my trick. I usually yeah. get to press it and I'm like, ah. I also, when I know I've done something, I feel like I need to always go back and double check as well, even though I know I've done it. So that that's the record button yeah. situation. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So I am just so excited about today's topic because it's something that is so important and it's something that every woman needs to know about. Um, and whether we know enough about it, I don't know. I don't know if we know enough about it. And the topic of today is perimenopause. 
So um, I just want to kind of, first of all, um, just give everyone a kind of idea of who you are, because I've been following you for quite some time. And I've just always um, sort of uh, admired the work that you do. And the number of times I've been tempted to join your Dutch test, your Dutch hormone <laughs> test um, yeah. masterclasses, like I've, I've always been tempted. And um, that's why I'm so glad that you're on this podcast so I can get some one-on-one time with you and everyone mm-hmm. can kind of hear from you. So um, yeah, just let everyone know who you are and what you're all about. So um, I'm a nutritional therapist and a functional medicine practitioner, very much like uh, yourself. Um, I specialize exclusively um, in menopause. So the only clients I work with are um, ladies really from those early stages of their hormones going a bit wonky mm. to then possibly thinking they may be perimenopausal, then knowing that they're definitely perimenopausal and then all the way through to um, really being out the other side of it and being postmenopausal. So although menopause sounds like a really, really specific area, it's actually most women from their late thirties onwards. So right. it's, it's quite a huge area. Um, I work with clients one-to-one. I do group work. And I also do a lot of um, work with practitioners. So training around lab testing, particularly the Dutch test, which I love. Um, Me too. And, and um, I do some uh, mentoring as well. Um, and I also run a Menopause Mastery Practitioner Group, which is all about really helping other practitioners learn to be a menopause nutritionist. Nice, nice. So I'm really curious, um, what made you want to focus on menopause? So I think think it was all sort of accidental slash universe intervention um, slash this is kind of becoming more of a thing now. Um, But I realised back in sort of the end of 2018 that the vast majority of my clients fell into that group um, or that demographic. And um, it wasn't really a conscious decision. It was like, oh, that's interesting. And then later that year, I was invited on um, a retreat, which is a menopause retreat um, through a friend of mine because someone had dropped out last minute. And I went along that thinking, wow, it's amazing. Um, Again, hadn't really thought that menopause was going to be my thing, but I had a brilliant week. an amazing group of ladies just really engaged really interested in their health their nutrition and just off at that point where they're just ready to be as well as they possibly can and then shortly after um, the retreat um, and the following year I actually had a, a surgical menopause so I had a hysterectomy um, I think all women have a, a hormone story you know I yeah. always say it's either your fairy tale or your hormone horror story yeah. um but it's certainly interesting isn't it from you know as, as we progress through our I suppose our hormone life stages um and in my case I literally had everything wrong with my reproductive organs from you know PCOS endometriosis adenomyosis you know precancerous cells um painful periods I mean literally everything apart from fibroids that's the only thing I don't have a I suppose the badge for but everything else was um, a problem. And it's got to the point where there was just so much going on that the the abnormal cells was the thing that sort of tipped the balance. And I was recommended to 
well I wasn't really recommended I was told to have a hysterectomy yeah. um so going through surgical surgical menopause or having a hysterectomy where they also remove your ovaries you just go from having you know the perfect well I say perfect you know hormones of a 44 year old to nothing overnight right you know you're just straight on the menopause mm. roller coaster or you know elevator yeah. or you know but it's all going down um yeah so I think that was just another sign I thought yeah I I think menopause is actually going to be my thing yeah. and I think over that time of those few years and certainly up, up to the point I'm at now everything I've done has been focused on and around menopause menopause clients learning about menopause and also my own experiences from you know good bad to the ugly I think I think as as a therapist to have um, some empathy for your clients to have Mm -hmm. walked the walk and to have been through what they're going through is a really powerful thing and it allows you to connect with them so much better Um, do you feel like if you knew the things you know now do you do you think things would have been better for you um, growing up and kind of coming into your health um, health yeah based I think so I think so but you've got you've also got to be realistic Mm. you know as as a as a 20 year old living working in London you know loving life would I've traded that for you know the sort of perfect lifestyle perfect diet yeah probably not I know that's probably not the right thing to say in my position but I think we have to be realistic and actually I got into nutrition um in my early 20s anyway so I think I did start making a lot of change. I mean, you know, and as a, as a young child, again, I, I don't know what difference it would have made because if I'd, it's more to do with your parents and um, just blame your parents, eh? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, when in that's doubt, perfect. just blame your parents. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. Perfect. Get out of jail card, yeah. isn't it? Um, but I don't know. I mean, I think would, would it have been different? Probably not, you know, because yeah. I, I really was quite conscious of my health, you know. Mm. But equally, you know, you have to live your life, don't you? You yeah. have to experience things. And I suppose now I know that some of those things I did probably weren't the best for me, but hopefully yeah. there wasn't any uh, long-term damage. Um, the, I mean, the reason why I love this topic so much is because I think when you're a teenager, when you're in your 20s, you naturally just, you're living your life. You know, you don't really mm. care about your health. Like it's not a big thing as as it is when you kind of reach your 30s and your 40s and your 50s. and um, to, to know that you can actually switch on your um, awareness of your health and you can start to live better from your 30s, uh, you can actually kind of pull back some of the mm. um, health damage that you probably caused growing up. Yeah, and you can start yeah. to correct things in time for when perimenopause kicks in, um, which not many women actually know about and I just want to kind of um kick off with a story because I I just I was speaking to one of my friends yesterday just by chance and she's in her mid-40s and um but she went into perimenopause at age 36 but she had no idea what was happening so her symptoms were severe anxiety like she would just wake up in the morning she'd be like I don't know what's wrong with me like I I feel like I've got a bus on my chest I don't know what to do um hot flushes and brain fog Mm. and um she was just so confused she didn't know what it was the doctors didn't you know they didn't really have much information for her 
And she just went through like her, the rest of her thirties thinking there was just something wrong with her. And, you know, she just had depression or anxiety, but um, it wasn't until she went to the doctor in her forties and they were like, actually, I think that, you know, they, she tested her hormones and they said, you know, you might actually be in perimenopause. You might actually be, you know, mm. getting started with it. And she was like, gosh, she was telling me yesterday how, she had no idea it was coming she says women need to know more about um what it's like for some women and to maybe expect that some things might start to go wrong from your late 30s but that's kind of what I want to talk about today because obviously you know perimenopause can kick in from the late 30s but I guess I want to kind of dig into does it have to be um it's this this big experience of like anxiety and hot flushes and like does it have to be this kind of almost like a car crash of a experience or can it be um a fairly steady one so um that's kind I of mean, what I want to yeah yeah go on yeah I, I was gonna say I mean that's a, that's a really interesting um way of thinking about it because you know going back to what I said about everyone having their own hormone story which is it's really the way that I talk to practitioners as well. So when you're talking to your clients, you have to think about that story or i.e. their timeline. Mm -hmm. You know, how did they get to where they are in their menopause? So for example, you know, think about your friend, you know, yes, it was happening in her thirties and by the time she got to the doctor in her forties, but what was happening before that? You know, what's Correct. happened with her hormones, her stress? I mean, stress is a massive one. And again, linking back stress to- Stress is number saying, one, or, right? Like yeah. Yeah, or, or the question you asked me about, you know, would I have changed anything? If, would I have lived life differently? Would have, you know, if if I knew what I know now? Um, but I think, you know, it's, it's not so much the diet and the supplements, it's the stress. Mm -hmm. I think that's the really, I really big that. factor. And yeah. if you think about, you know, your clients, um, you know, probably, you know, in, in a slightly younger bracket than mine, um, or some of them might be, um, they they might not be perimenopausal or they might not be, you know, anywhere near menopause, but they've got wonky hormones. And that's a really unscientific mm. way of terming it, but, <laughs> but it's relatable. Know, think about, yeah. But think about, you know, those cycles where you go, what happened? Why, why have I had 24, why have I had a 24 day cycle or why have I had a 35 day cycle this month? Why is my period heavier this month or make more painful this month? Or why was I spotting? Why have I got loads of spots on my chin? Mm. Why do I feel like my hair's getting thin? You know, it's it's very easy to just go, oh, it must be perimenopause. Mm. Or it must be, you know, um, you know, your estrogen dropping or whatever. It could be due to loads of different things. Um, and, you know, you, you'll know all about this. You know, it could be a thyroid. It could be from stress. It could be someone's gut health. It could be migraines not yeah. sleeping you know it could be all these different factors um so I think it's it's trying to navigate all of that before you suddenly think oh must be perimenopause I've got to go and get hormones from my doctor and I'm, I'm not dissing HRT because I have HRT I love HRT yeah. and I'm never giving it up ever um yeah I mean, that was one of my, ground yeah, <laughs> that was one of my, that was going to be one of my questions yeah, about what you thought yeah. of it. So I kind of already get your take on that then. Yeah. yeah. But I think it's, it, it's, it depends on the person, doesn't it? Mm. You know, there's no one size fits all solution. 
um, for menopause. And actually some women can't take HRT. Some absolutely don't want to take HRT. It's nothing to do with any risk or you know worries or anything. They just don't want to be a slave to a medication. Right. Um, and others will want to embrace it wholeheartedly. So, I mean, we've been kind of throwing all these terms around, um, but let's kind of talk about what perimenopause actually is. So can you kind of give a breakdown as to what's actually happening to a woman when she's going through perimenopause so that um, anyone who is going through it can actually visualize what's happening to them at this yeah. stage? So so talk us through what perimenopause is. Okay, so I'm going to keep it really, really brief because I could easily just go on and on and on and on and on. Um, <laughs> So I think, first of all, you have to look at what menopause is before you try and define what perimenopause is. And one of the difficulties we have is that the definitions are quite broad and a bit fuzzy around the edges um, and a bit grey or shades of grey, rather. You know, they all sort of blend in. But menopause is technically um, 12 months after your last menstrual period. And... Um, there isn't a test for menopause, there isn't a test for perimenopause, it's generally all based on symptoms and that all-important last period. Yeah. So once you get 12 months past your last period, that's when you can, you know, you finally get your um, your menopause medal, you know, you're there. Doesn't mean you're going to stay there, like you might that. suddenly have another random period <laughs> or, you know, but generally speaking, mm -hmm. it's when periods are kind of done. I love menopause medal, by the way. That's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> it's because isn't it a time that women fear of actually it's not a time yeah. to fear. It's like, you know, you can you can still live your best life and you know, yeah. life doesn't stop there. Your menopause no, medal. No, no. And it's it can be challenging. And I, I don't I'm I suppose that well, I'm technically postmenopausal now. And you know, I don't always get it right. Mm -hmm. You know, some days I'm like, what is going on? What's happened to me? You know, I'm I'm not some perfect menopause guru who just sort of sits there preaching in my ivory tower um you know while I'm merrily gobbling my HRT <laughs> um it's not quite like that you know there, there are some you know really awful days and some brilliant days but on the whole it's as you said it's not really feared or scared mm -hmm. or perimenopause is a funny one because you know once upon a time it was like a few months before your last period whereas now we know that it's anything up to 10 years before your last period that's so insane. there yeah. isn't really like a set definition, mm. but, you know, as you go through your hormone career, let's say, you, um, things start changing. You know, you might have more cycles where you're not ovulating and you, you might notice that your progesterone is dipping when you have those imbalances. Um, your estrogen starts bouncing around. So some months you've got crazy high estrogen, another month it's tanking and it's, the problem with perimenopause is that you, you're sort of on this roller coaster where your estrogen is just kind of going up and down, up and down, up and down. It's very erratic. Um, and that's really where the symptoms are, are coming from. So if you think about it, every single cell or just about every single cell organ system in your body has got estrogen receptors. So if your estrogen is wobbling around, your progesterone's wobbling around, so you haven't got those beautiful waves that we experience mm -hmm. during, you know, your typical cycle. Um, it's going to affect you all over your body from head to toe. So that's why people talk about brain fog, um, you know, not being able to remember where your keys are, mm. um, anxiety, stress, not sleeping. 
um, skin can change. Um, you might notice more ugh, wrinkles um, or because estrogen is kind of in charge of those um really typical feminine features and qualities like yeah. beautiful hair beautiful skin those yeah. lovely curves and um so when that starts to drop then you know you all of those kind of qualities you start to kind of come away um yeah but it's but it's interesting because estrogen kind of has a has a bad reputation a lot of the time you know people mm. kind of throw around the the idea of estrogen dominance and you know yeah. it being yeah. the cause of a lot of health issues but um but actually estrogen in the right balance is mm. it's just it's the it's the feminine hormone yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely and I you know to, to quote my my good friend Dr Terry Long who you should you should you should speak to her she'd be a good one about skin perimenopause and skin um Dr. Terry always talks about estrogen being your diva mm. hormone. Mm. Yeah, it makes everything juicy and feminine and I love you know, that. Yeah, yeah. That, it's I great, don't... isn't it? And they talk about <laughs> progesterone as as being your reliable best friend. Yeah. You know, that's yes. that's you know yes. calming, reliable best friend. And then testosterone, I think. I think she said it's like your sleazy boyfriend. You know, you're great in small doses, but you don't want too much. <laughs> <laughs> I might have got that completely wrong, but it's kind of along those lines. Um, I'm sure Dr. Terry will put, put me right. Um, but it's it, it's the dance of all three, isn't it? Mm. You know, you can't just have one. And the thing is, and... your, your ovaries produce those. Like, so your ovaries are in mm. charge of kind of producing those hormones. So when your ovaries start to um, shut up shop, and they're kind of like, mm. okay, so I'm done now. Like, I'm kind of stepping out. Um, then those hormones start to, you know, they have to come from other places um, and mm. the levels start to drop overall. So yeah. um, all of those hormones that gave you drive, you know, femininity, vivaciousness and vitality, mm. um, they they start to drop away during that time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, I think as well, you know, menopause isn't just about estrogen, you know, mm. it's bearing in mind that we have got those other hormones. But I think, you know, just back to your original question, the challenge in perimenopause is everything just bouncing around and mm -hmm. the unpredictability. You know, you don't really know what you're going to get. And it's it's like, um, you know, rolling a, rolling a snowball at the top of a ski slope, um, chucking it down and then see what comes out the other end. You know, mm -hmm. you don't know what you're going to find. You know, it's like, well. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's a really changeable time, which is, is the challenge which is sometimes like it's very difficult for the penny to drop and go oh maybe this is perimenopause mm. or oh is it something else so so on that point what sort of clues should women be looking for when it comes to perimenopause I think, yeah I think changes to your period mm -hmm. the cycle length of cycle any changes in the, the type of bleeding or pain or anything that's just unusual and you start seeing a pattern of unusual. And by pattern, I don't mean the same thing every month, but mm -hmm. just weird stuff happening every month. Um, other symptoms or the classic symptoms are anxiety seems to be the big one in perimenopause. Um, you know, just that feeling of, of, of overwhelm. Um, as you said before, anxiety, um, feeling of stress, just go, oh, what? Why does everything feel so much more challenging than mm -hmm. it did before? And actually, I mean, what I find personally when I don't quite get my HRT right, it's it's a feeling of overwhelm and 
yeah and something's sitting on your chest that's sort of like oh gosh you know and then it, but it takes me a few days to go mm, I've just <laughs> forgot like a... to change my patch mm. or I, no. you know I'm a bit I'm a bit you know working quite hard this week I probably needed a little bit more estrogen to get me through it because it you know so it's yeah yeah. yeah, I mean, because I was just going to say, um, because we we really don't realize how much our hormones play into our mood, like how mm. much. So you just described that situation there with the with the patch, but like let's just even look at the menstrual cycle, like yeah, the, the you have the middle of the cycle where you're just like, I think I'm just going to put on my red lipstick today, and you're just, just like you're posting lots of videos on Instagram, and your your hair's looking <laughs> lovely, and it's like yeah, and then you know you get to the week before your period, and then you know you start to feel really you know bad about yourself and you just want to kind of hide away and bloated bloated and Mm. it's my husband like he drives me crazy but um he's right though I can't (laughs) I can't say that he's wrong but um I I always pick a really aggressive unreasonable argument with him every month before my period (laughs) and he's always like are you Jew and I'm like no but really I am <laughs> I'm like that's yeah. not the point like I really am angry this is a real thing and then the next day I'll be like oh god that was my hormones um so it's, it's incredible how much those hormones are in charge of your mood so when you're feeling stressed mm-hmm. and you're feeling overwhelmed it's because the the hormones like they're dropping and you're just finding yeah. it tough to, to deal with you know daily life so um yeah I, I get that totally yeah yeah and I I mean, like, same for me, actually, you know, Mr. Hunter will say, um, I'll go, oh, yeah, I just I screwed up my estrogen or oh, I should have, he's like, oh, I could have told you that. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, it's like he's like Mr. Hormone expert there. Exactly. Although, though, to be fair, I think he is now a, a menopause expert. So, um, okay. He could, he, okay. Could, he could probably, I could probably start rolling him out for the podcast, couldn't I? <laughs> um, yeah, but I think it, it's, it's difficult to say what's your number one sign because I mean if you look at a lot of the forums or you know websites or Instagram pages where they do the question you know what was your first sign of perimenopause I mean hundreds and hundreds of different signs and symptoms it's like you know when you you know it's it's quite a long time for me now since I was googling things about pregnancy it's like when you google when you start getting paranoid oh my god am I pregnant and you start googling what was your first sign of pregnancy I mean it's everything from Yeah. yeah my my bacon tasted a bit funny this morning to <laughs> you know I my hair was falling out you know it's just like yeah. completely random stuff yeah. is it the um, symptoms are so unique to each, each yeah. person yeah yeah but, um, but it, I, yeah go oh sorry I was, I was just gonna say I think the, the best bit of advice I could give is just keep an eye on your cycles mm. and I think really women should probably pay more attention to their cycles rather than just waiting for the next period just you know keep an eye on your diary of things that happen or things that you you're aware of that happen in your cycle mm-hmm. um from when you know you might like some people, women get twinges a few days before other women will get you know much more cervical mucus at different points um you know the number of days you know all the different things clues and um symptoms and just patterns that you see i think it's worth just checking in and being aware of them mm. and knowing your body I think so is there a way to go into perimenopause um in the best way possible like is there a way you can just kind of float your way through is is it I possible? think yeah I, okay. I mean I think 
I think it, I mean, it's difficult to say, I mean, gosh, we could just float into <laughs> menopause. That sounds lovely, doesn't it? Um, there will be people out there who will say, yes, you can do that. No, you don't need HRT. It's all in your mind. You can, you know, meditate, breathe and stretch your way through menopause, you know, and I'm sure we've all seen those pages mm. or um, um, accounts on Instagram that, that say just that. Um, if it was that easy, um, well, menopause wouldn't really be a thing, but it is a thing because the fundamental facts are your estrogen is dropping as nature intended for it to drop. Mm -hmm. So what can we do to protect our bodies, um, improve our longevity and enjoy the, the rest of our lives or the second half of our lives almost for most people? Yeah. Um, but I think in terms of reducing the impact of that change um, or shift rather, because I never ever want to hear myself saying the change. It's <laughs> like a swear word. No. Um, I, it, it's really looking after your blood sugar. That's it. That's the cornerstone. Look after your blood sugar. And I think blood sugar, there's more to blood sugar than just your glucose. Mm -hmm. So people are obsessed with glu continuous glucose monitors. Yeah, they're great. They're interesting. But actually, that's only one teeny tiny part of the story. You know, we need to be thinking about all of our cardiometabolic markers as uh, so a cholesterol triglycerides um oh, it's a great long list of them and blood sugar insulin is, and blood sugar is just blood a part of that is, is a massive part of that and yeah. insulin regulation and yeah. so i mean let, let's kind of dig into that bit because um the so i mean okay so you'll always experience symptoms going into perimenopause um, but there is, there are ways that you can make it as pleasant as you can for yourself. So mm, that's yeah. what I want to dig into. And you say that a massive part of that is regulating blood sugar. So, Absolutely. Why, so yeah. why is that? What's the connection there between blood sugar and, you know, worsening symptoms? Yeah. I mean, I think th there's, there's quite a lot to it. Um, but, um, the, the, the main, I think that the, the part to really focus on is that as we transition through perimenopause and menopause, we naturally become more insulin resistant. So the signals that tell our cells to utilize sugars becomes much less effective. Mm -hmm. and, and we don't hear those signals as well. So it's very easy for our blood sugar to go a bit haywire. The second part to it is that when we're stressed, also our blood sugar is put under pressure. Um, and we get in those vicious cycles of binging on sweet stuff, mm -hmm. wanting more sweet stuff, binging on sweet stuff, and then our insulin response also um, reduces. So I think thinking about those two things, um, really checking in with your insulin and your response to sugar will, will overall help your metabolic function as you go right. through menopause. Yeah. And it's something that all of us can do quite easy. I say quite easily, it's not easy. Mm -hmm. I think, I think the in, how to do it is easy mm -hmm. or the instructions of how to do, it, but actually doing it is quite Living challenging. Life, like, yeah, which do, is like actually keeping yeah. your blood sugar levels is a challenge yeah. day to day, especially yeah. when you're, you're, you're stressed, which you said raises blood sugar. Um, mm. And obviously the diets that we have um, doesn't help either. So yeah. it's, it's, it's hard day to day to keep blood sugar levels um, regulated. Yeah. 
but yeah. it's, it's but it's a key part of of making this process as easy as possible for yourself yeah. So, yeah. absolutely so I think it's it's a real balance act between managing your stress and managing your blood sugar and you know you it's about starting somewhere mm. you know it's not about just going totally cold turkey and sugar mm. or carbohydrates I think you know reducing or controlling your carbohydrates as well is is an important part of that and I'd say most menopausal women that I work with do better on a lower carb diet um, and uh, reducing their sugars I definitely want to come back to that point Um, but I just wanted to say something that I heard recently and I can't forget it Um, when you're stressed it's like eating a cookie (laughs) That's what I yeah. I heard. And it's a really good analogy because um, it just kind of lets people know that, you know, you really need to look after your stress levels because when you um, when you're stressed, your body releases um, cortisol, whose job is to release sugar from its stores, put it into the bloodstream to be used for energy. So it's basically like it ups your blood sugar levels and it's like eating a cookie, but you don't actually get to have the pleasure yeah. of eating a cookie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so going through perimenopause is a really key time to kind of go inward and start looking at your lifestyle, looking at, um, you know, what's stressing you out and, and starting mm. to, um, you know, take it easy on yourself and be kind to yourself. is so, so important. Um, but then also looking after um, your diet and, you know, trying to stay yeah. away from sugar as much as possible. Um, what What's your view on things like caffeine, alcohol for women at this stage? Yeah, I mean, I think I think caffeine is, is very, very individual. I mean, because you have people who will have a cup of decaf and will be like spinning. Mm-hmm. And then you get people who can have three espressos before bed. And manage to sleep right the way through you know so yeah. I think it's, it's it's very very individual and I think that's a call you've got to make for yourself I don't think there are any hard and fast rules on caffeine it depends on how you metabolize the caffeine really mm-hmm. I think most people um speaking generally across the you know population would probably do better on less caffeine yeah and I and it's a bit like the the invisible cookie you're talking mm-hmm. about you know caffeine's the same you know, you can drink a cup of coffee and you're going to get a blood sugar hit from it and a bit of a buzz, but you're not going to have the enjoyment of actually eating the cookie or the, the cake. You know, yeah. it's, it's sort of stimulating that response. Um, my advice, my clients is have up to two cups per day. And have them at the time of day you most enjoy them. Mm-hmm. And if you feel like you need the caffeine, you're drinking too much. Yeah, agreed. So I, um, have it with with food as well can help. So with breakfast or with with lunch. I have a really crazy caffeine story. So <laughs> I um I love coffee. Like I'd, I'd have one every morning, um, maybe even two. But when I say one or two, I mean mugs, like big <laughs> mugs of coffee. And um, I was always fine, fine, fine until about a year ago. Um, before I was pregnant with my last um, child, my son, um, I found that every time I would work, I would get dizzy 
like really, really dizzy to the extent mm. where I'd be like, oh my gosh, I, I can't carry on today. And that was happening every day. And it was really stressful because I'd sit down in the morning, have my coffee, work away, have a great, you know, get lots of work done. But then I knew I had a time limit. I was like, I know I have like about three or four hours to get stuff done before I start to get really, really dizzy. And, mm. and um, chop, it, it took me, um, over a year to figure out that actually um, the caffeine was affecting me like it was actually starting to cause dizziness and Mm. I didn't realize that because I've been drinking caffeine for so many years beforehand but how things change and like if if you add stress on top of stress like the work stress and maybe just Mm. having too much coffee um, it really started to play around with my stress response so um, as soon as I took caffeine away literally about a couple of weeks ago I haven't been dizzy at all since yeah it's crazy so for me caffeine was fine at one time but Mm. now it's not fine so I think also people need to be aware that um it depends on how you metabolize it, but then also just your lifestyle at the time, like, and maybe some other things that you don't necessarily understand about your body, but it just is, Mm. um, just be, just be aware of how caffeine, um, responds to you because it can change Mm. apparently. So I've learned recently. And it can creep, but it can creep up on you as well. Like, like you said there, but with, and, and also I think a lot of clients or people don't realize how good they feel um off caffeine you know mm. until, until they give it a few weeks because you might think you don't have a problem with caffeine mm. and it doesn't affect you at all and then you stop you're like oh yeah, I felt a lot better I didn't feel as tired sleeping better um it's in relation to menopause yeah stop getting the hot flushes yeah, yeah. um so yeah it's important I think I think alcohol is probably more of a big deal think about alcohol yes talk to me about alcohol. yeah so I mean, I, I don't want to be the one to spoil the party. Um, <laughs> I've spoiled many parties, to. trust me. <laughs> trust me. I've had many clients um, who are like, oh, really? Seriously? Like, not even, like, this many a week? I'm like, no. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a really difficult one, I think, to navigate. Um, but a, a lot, a, I'd, I'd say most ladies I work with feel better when they stop drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, when they stop, if, if they go in a bit of a, like a mini detox, you know, I'm not going to drink for 30 days or they do, um, dry January or no booze, November, or whatever, you know, whatever people do, um, they will get in much, or, or they'll get a noticeable improvement in their menopause symptoms. Mm. And that can be perimenopause as well, or even just wonky hormone yeah. phase. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I mean, I, Obviously, people can make their own choice, but I mm. think my advice would be just avoid alcohol you know, get, and get out of the routine. So it's like the kids go to bed, have a Prosecco, mm. and then you have one. It's like, well, if I don't drink the whole bottle, it'll go flat. Of course, Love I'm not speaking from there. experience. Yeah, <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah, um, but it's, you know, there's, you know, I think you've, you've got to have those light bulb moments itself. I mean, I mm. suppose my example is, it's just suddenly come to, um, my thoughts is when I was pregnant with my first son I just could not work out why I was getting heartburn the entire time and um, he was born in the April and it was really really bad in December and I just I kept saying you know, I don't know what's going on I feel terrible um, and my mum came to stay with me and she said you know what I don't know whether I'm right but I think it's all the mince pies you're eating I was like what 
But I always eat mince pies. I love mince pies. They're my own mince pies. There's nothing bad about them. Defense um, mode. Sure, it was, yeah, it was the mince pies. And as much as I love those mince pies, I just stopped eating them. And hey, presto. See, like one time it's fine. And then next time. Exactly, like, exactly. Like, just, that's the key. That's like a, a key message here. Like just be mm. aware of the, the fact that your body agrees with something and then it doesn't. Yeah. But then with alcohol, that kind of leads to like a little arm of this conversation, which is mm. um, the term estrogen dominance, which um, women can encounter going through menopause, right? Mm. Um, because when estrogen becomes dominant to progesterone, um, that can cause um, a heck of a lot of symptoms in itself. So um, I know when women are cycling, it can, you know, equal terrible, you know, PMS and clotty yeah. periods and um, heavy tender breasts. And so, but you can actually become estrogen dominant during the perimenopause process, because like you said, wonky hormones, yeah. but then there's I the think... alcohol estrogen issue like yeah. linked there that it can contribute to estrogen dominance right yeah possibly I mean I think we have to take a step back I think there's two things have, have popped up um from from what you've just said the first one is that we have to look after our livers our livers are responsible for Correct. metabolizing yeah. detoxing um estrogens yeah um, and other hormones in the body so we have to look after our livers and if you're drinking lots your poor liver takes a hit because however you look at it, alcohol's poison. And I'm I'm not I'm not being all high and mighty about booze yeah. at all. Um, but you know, if, if you look at the actual facts, I think. Um, the other side of that is when it comes to estrogen dominance, I'm not sure I really like that phrase. Mm. You know, I know it gets thrown around a lot, it does, but I mean what's yeah. it, what it actually mean? Estrogen use. dominance. It's like, you know, if you think about it, what does it actually mean? But I think that the real issue is not the estrogen dominance, it's the changing ratio of your estrogen progesterone. Yeah, the balance. It's that so it's the movement and the balance of hormones that is probably a more useful way to look at it than looking at estrogen as being the bad guy. Because mm. really, you want to hang on to that estrogen as long as you possibly can. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it can, it can be as dominant as it likes. <laughs> um, but again, it, it is it's the it's the balance and it's how well you're clearing those hormones out of your body precisely so liver health and gut health that's where these yep. two things come Definitely. in yeah yeah so we're sort, of, we're sort of working our way through the body yes, we started <laughs> with um you know think about blood sugar and yeah. stress anxiety your brain now and we're now kind we're of working our way the, down the back end yeah. <laughs> down the literally the back end yeah so i mean that that kind of brings me on to some um some recommendations then some natural mm. recommendations to help clear estrogen but then to also just make to, to stabilize your hormones as much as possible so what sort of um foods would you recommend what sort of supplements do you usually give I mean I know everyone's different but do you have yeah. some uh favorites that you like I to do recommend? I do so I when it comes to perimenopause and menopause my thoughts are always you know, try and steer away from menopause products because they tend to be <clears throat> what I call kitchen sink formulas where they've literally got everything in. Um, and does every woman need every single thing that you're going to find in there? Probably not. Mm -hmm. um, some of the ingredients like uh, black cohosh, you know, anecdotally, it's great for hot flushes. 
um, but the studies are a bit shady. Mm. You know, they're not particularly robust. Yeah, the same things like sage, we find a lot of supplements. Um, then you've got phytoestrogens, but if you're in perimenopause, maybe do you really want to be adding more phytoestrogens into the mix? Maybe, maybe not. So I think there's a lot of stuff in those formulas that might not be that helpful. And if we're thinking about the bigger picture of menopause and perimenopause, and about what I said um, relating to blood sugar and stress and mood and um, gut and detox, I, I steer more towards blood sugar supporting supplements and stress supporting. Nice. You're kind and of then, starting at the top yeah, and then it trickles down. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, because if you're less stressed, if your mood is better, your gut function will be better. Mm-hmm. Um, your blood sugar is going to improve. And there's one particular product that I really like called New Mind Wellness. Okay. Really good. So have, have a Google because it's what a really it? good product. So it's, um, it's, a, it's like a multivitamin for stress. But it seems to, um, it's almost a perfect perimenopause and menopause product as well, because it's all about blood sugar and um, working on the stress response. So it has, you know, rhodiola, ashwagandha, um, I think there's a teeny bit of lemon balm in there, mm-hmm. um, B vitamins, zinc, vitamin D, magnesium. You know, it's a really lovely all-round product. And they also have a, um, a product that's got some extra probiotics in as well for gut health. So although it's not labelled mm. as a menopause product at all in any way, shape or form, I found it by accident, looked at the label, thought this is just the perfect menopause product. So I started recommending it to friends and my clients and the feedback's been great, Good to know. especially around sleep, sleep and mm. stress. Um, so I think my way of thinking about supplements is more broad minded, I think. You know, yeah. thinking about the bigger picture and thinking about those factors. And I, I mean, I say this to uh, practitioners as well. You know, when you're thinking about your hormones, whether things are moving faster or slower than we'd like them to, generally it's going to be related to the same factors. So it's going to be stress, blood sugar, um, uh, inflammation, mm-hmm. and you know, possibly genetics it's the same things that are driving it so if you're trying to support your menopause um, especially in the earlier days in perimenopause it's better to look more holistically at, mm-hmm. at the body as a whole and i think the same applies with dietary advice we know that um a modified mediterranean diet um, has got the best research um, anecdotally um, a low carb mediterranean diet works for most of my clients and I just wanted to kind of come on to that because um, mm. you mentioned low carb and that makes total sense because that manages your in, your blood glucose levels. Like that will target that yeah. straight off yeah. the bat. Um, so, I mean, I, I suppose that allows for foods like, um, ve- like vegetables and yeah. um, lots of good quality proteins and good quality oils and fats. Mm. Um, I'm a huge fan of the cruciferous vegetables. I mean, aren't they yeah. just a recommendation Absolutely. for almost everyone for every yeah. issue that yeah. they have? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. But, but, uh, but in particular, they're so good at um, helping to clear away estrogen. Um, mm-hmm. And one of my favorites is uh, broccoli sprouts. Now, 
I always feel really proud when I can get hold of some in the supermarket and um, I'm always like look guys I'm kind of posting this broccoli sprouts because <laughs> like they're, they're kind of bitter to taste aren't they yeah, um, yeah. But I'm just like taking it out by the handful and just kind of chucking it in yeah. just almost like a supplement like a health supplement so um, I'm a big fan of broccoli sprouts and all of that but um, chuck them on anything yeah chuck on anything <laughs> quite literally um, yeah um but I I'm a big fan of fasting so I have a fasting program at the moment and I know people have different opinions on fasting and um I just wanted to know what your um thoughts are on it and whether you ever find a place for it with your menopause clients yeah I think I mean I think um fasting fits with that low carb Mm -hmm. lifestyle anyway yes yeah um because you're not challenge you know I haven't got that huge challenge of being um a slave to carbs mm-hmm. you know like a carb monster that as soon as you don't eat for a couple of hours you're like on the floor and you can't manage yeah so I think fasting does fit with that but I think one do that yeah yeah but I think that the degree of fasting or the type of fasting might might vary person to person which yeah. you know I'm I'm sure um fits with what you do as well um I think if I've got a lady who is absolutely in the thick of really 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 bad symptoms um I don't think fasting would be quite right mm. at that moment but I think you can integrate some form of time-restricted eating in some way into anyone's diet yeah so even if someone's totally in the thick of those symptoms I still might say to them I only want you to I don't want you to eat um five hours between meals yeah so have a really big breakfast and a really really decent lunch Mm. and then have the evening meal if their work day is very long they might need a small structured snack Mm. or a mini meal in the middle of that or they might need something before bed if they're not sleeping very well but trying to space out their meals is a really easy way to fit some kind of fasting in into their their day it's a great um, way to know, get to start. It's a great starting yeah, point to yeah. kind of get someone yeah. warmed up to it. But I agree. Yeah. Um, when you say someone's in the thick of their symptoms, fasting is a stress on the body. Um, so if you're calm and you know you're, mm. you're not feeling stressed, then fasting is a really nice thing to start to implement into your life. But the moment you have um, you know, a lot of emotional stress and then physical stress. If you then put on another stress of fasting, then you could really get the the nasty tail end of what fasting can yeah. do. Um, yeah. And that's what's important for people to know when they fast, like um, just recognize how much stress you're under and um, mm. just um, make a wise decision as to whether it's something yeah. you need to do. But like you said, having like five meal, uh, five hours in between meals is safe and it's doable mm. for basically most people. Yeah. So um, I think that's a really nice way to, to get someone, you know, into it. Yeah. Because I think, I mean, my, my approach to low carb and fasting and intermittent fasting and time restricted eating and, and even up to keto diets mm. um and as a nutritional therapist that's almost like a swear word you know if you it is like even i feel a bit edgy like talking them. about it sometimes yeah <laughs> just like it's like break the mold yeah <laughs> come on um, like keto yeah. come on <laughs> so i so i've got i'm working on a program at the moment um which is keto for menopause mm, I love and that. 
yeah. but but my way of doing it is not starting like crazy you know mm. just going bang straight into it because you'll end up feeling poorly you'll fall off the wagon you'll end up with some like you know nasty keto flu type symptoms um and you will just undo all of your good work I think mm -hmm. so the way that I work is a very sort of flexi approach where you you start but you build up to your tolerance of, of how many carbohydrates that you need so it's almost like keto in reverse mm -hmm. um and just you know building up slowly and I think that that's the best way to think about fasting like we said it's just yeah. build up to it don't just do it because your best mate's doing it or yeah. you know someone on tv's told you I mean yeah. it's I'm, I'm sure you'll get this but I find that with my clients you know, if I, you know, if I, if Davina McCall or Michael Mulsey or someone tells them to fast or don't drink or something, they will do it. Yeah. If I ask them, they're like, no way. <laughs> you know, it takes, you know, it's like a massive like battle of wills to try and persuade them. Yeah. Um, so I think if you can just prove that it's working in that nice, gentle way, you know, yeah. it's, it's, I think it's just a sensible way to do things. Why, why do we have to throw ourselves in feet first and then you know it's so difficult that you don't want to do it why not just try things and take those baby steps and find your your sweet spot and I think we should look at diets as um like we said with the caffeine and the alcohol it's like um things work until they don't work and the mince pies Ooh. like your mince pie story <laughs> like yeah. so 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 with diets that the way I see it I I'm a fan of I like diets like and that's also a, a swear word and that's a, yeah. not a good view but I believe that you know a diet here and there like just it's a bit exciting mm. it's a bit fun and you can try it and then it'll work and then you know when you're done with it kind of be done with it um I think that's mm. if you can kind of play with diets um in in a in a safe way and not get hooked on any and not you know have any unhealthy um kind of mental kind of patterns with them um if you can just kind of use them while they're working and then just um kind of come off when you're ready and I, I kind of see keto as that it's kind of like something yeah. that you use that's super effective um it does its job but then just don't do it forever like just kind of come off when it's time to come off um, I, yeah. I like it, but then, like I said, um, diets aren't for everyone because some people do get caught up in the diet Ooh. frame of mind and some people do go back and forth, back and forth, and it can be a stressful thing for people. But I think if you're in control of your eating habits and you're interested in trying new things, then I, I like the idea of, you know, putting in a Mediterranean and then a keto and then maybe, you know, yeah. see how you feel about paleo. And like, I just, I kind of like that. I like it. So I kind of, mm. I like the sound of your program. It sounds, it sounds nice. Yeah. I can imagine women would yeah. respond to it really well. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's something that I've worked with clients and at some point I'll launch it as a, like a, a thing. Um, but I think it said it's the message is just take things at your own pace. Yes. That's you know, the you key. You don't have to throw yeah. yourself in. Um, I mean, I, you know, I can think of friends of mine who've done diets and they've bought the book, they've mm. written the recipes out, they've gone to the supermarket, ordered it all. And then just given up after about three days. Yeah. Yeah. And then they yeah. tried it and it wasn't for them. Yeah. 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 So it's about kind of taking your time with it. Um, at any, so I have my final 
um, kind of question. And mm. um, so you are happy with HRT. You're just like, yeah, yeah. You, know, just, you don't have to wrestle it off me. But how do you navigate that with clients? And for anyone listening who's considering it, what would you say to them? So I, well, as, as a nutritional therapist, I can't advise, recommend, um, or really say anything meaningful about HRT okay. in terms of what to take, how to take, when to take. Mm. Um, I think my experience to clients when they talk to me about HRT, if they're thinking about HRT, um, I'll you know give them recommendations. You know, go and speak to a, just go and speak to your doctor. Um, and have an open mind right also if you're thinking about HRT um, the British Menopause Society has a um, a patient arm called gosh uh, I can't even think what the name is uh, I can't think what it's called oh my goodness that's just completely disappeared I bet you um, say it every day and now I just do, right I do. now it's oh just like gosh. gosh. Um, women's Anyway, you'll find it on you the British always, Medical Society yeah. homepage. You, you I can think that's tell me afterwards, afterwards. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, I'll write it down. There's, yeah. a, there's a link on there. Um, and they've got loads and loads of fact sheets. Um, they've got, you know, information about HRT, you know, the different types. And it's just a really, really good starting point um, mm. to, you know, to to look at things there. Um, but that's, that's a really good, good place for... Um, you know anything to do with menopause from a I suppose a, an HRT client mm. uh, point of point of view okay. um it's a women's health concern <laughs> got, it. You go. <laughs> got it um, um you'll never forget that again also, that's for sure I won't I won't <laughs> I, I can't even believe I couldn't think of about what it was and it was something women's or, or yeah. initiative or something um but have a look on there because there's loads of just information to get you started on HRT um my other advice is don't be scared of HRT mm -hmm. um there's a lot of bad well there has been a lot of bad press in the past but I think things are changing there's a really good book called Estrogen Matters okay which um is you know all about why we need estrogen um and why the research was wrong and it is well, a, a do you remember thing. the author by any chance or you can just um I don't because and... I can't I can't even okay. spell the author's name all right fine. It, I think I'll, so I'll, I'll find I'll, out after and then I'll but if you link. yeah yeah but if I mean it's, it's all over Amazon it's quite a well-known book okay. um I and also when it comes to menopause find your people that you follow don't follow everyone because it's all about menopause you find the people that you like listen to them mm -hmm. and then kind of just mute the rest because there are so many mixed messages and different pieces of advice. Um, and yeah, it's quite a brutal space, I think, you know, because yeah. there's just so much going on and the, everyone wants to be heard. And at so, a time um, where a woman really just wants community and she just wants to look around mm, and see other people going through yeah. the same thing, like it can be kind of stressful to have so many different mixed messages. It's like, like yeah. you said about having a child, um, mm. you, you, you look at how to deal with a crying baby and you get just a million different responses. Mm. So um, yeah. I think that's a good call, you know, pick one direction and kind of go yeah. with that. Um, I think that's a really yeah. good tip. Um, is, is there anything else you want to say on this topic that you think is really important that people should know? Yeah, I mean, I think one area 
um, which I know you mentioned at the beginning, is about Dutch testing. Yes, and, Dutch testing. Yeah, and I think testing during menopause is quite controversial because conventionally um, it's poo-pooed, I think. Mm. And I can sort of understand that because there isn't one diagnostic test for menopause. Um, you know, you can't do a test to find out if you're in perimenopause, for example. Mm. Um, and I think really the value in looking at your estrogen, your testosterone and progesterone um, is questionable because they're changing so much. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how useful is that? But tests like the Dutch test are much more big picture. Mm. so when I use tests like that which look at your adrenal function so your stress response it has some nutritional markers um, some functional markers like oxidative stress Um, it looks at your sleep hormone melatonin but most importantly it looks at the balance of your hormones and how you're metabolizing and um, detoxifying them so how you use them and how you ship them out of the body Mm And I think that's really, really important information when you're going through perimenopause, because, you know, we talked about looking after your liver and uh, your detoxification and your stress response. This is all information you can find out in a Dutch test. So even if you're not interested in the hormone part, as in the top level hormone values, i.e. how much you've got, because that's going to change every month, the rest of it is just gold. Mm-hmm. because that can really support your foundation for going through perimenopause right because it it's a like, really really useful test it's it's fab and i love the way it goes into um off the top of my head um like glutathione and mm. um b12 i think is on there and yeah some really yeah, important loads markers. Of stuff. Um, yeah. And and if anything gives you the drive and motivation to make positive lifestyle changes, then getting the results to a Dutch hormone test is mm. the way to go. Because if it says your yeah. cortisol is off and your stress response is wonky, then yeah. you're like, shoot, like the numbers don't lie. I better do something about mm. my lifestyle, like my stress levels. So I think... Yeah. It's, it's a really good thing and like you said the way that hormones are metabolized the way they're shipped out sometimes they're shipped out safely sometimes they're not so it's those mm. things are really um, important to know um yeah so so with with that in mind um is there anything else before I sort of wrap it up anything else I don't think so I think I think everything we've spoken about today applies to yeah. um perimenopause or menopause itself or postmenopause mm-hmm. the testing is applicable to all the different phases or even if you're just thinking about well why are my hormones imbalanced mm-hmm. you know it's a thing that's just not quite right my cycles aren't quite right um the dietary advice and you know even the testing advice is still the same you know yeah. i think it applies to all women from their yes. sort of mid-30s onwards it does so it's a very broad thing um mm. like to to talk about but and it's applicable for basically everyone so yeah um, yeah so, so um let's let's wrap it up and um where can people find you and find out more about you so i'm probably the best place or easiest place is on instagram um and i'm at uh menopause nutritionist perfect awesome. so dead easy dead yeah. hopefully an easy one to remember menopause nutritionist um and you can find all my other contact details or website and stuff from there as well. 
Fab. Thank you so much for joining me today. It was such a lovely chat. I know no, it would be. You. And I feel like we we should do this again because you know there's, there's other to. topics to talk about. So um yeah, we'll do it again soon. Excellent. Thank you. I'm Tamara Walpole, and you've been listening to Your Body's Way. If you haven't already, please subscribe, share, rate, and review this podcast. You can find me on Instagram as Tamara Walpole Nutrition. Join me next time for some more juicy information on how to help you on your journey to your best self yet. Your body's way is the only way. Chat soon.